0: You're listening to Level Up's Emerging Market Series with Melissa Zaloof from IronSource and Tom Wyman, Senior Market Analyst at New Zoo. So welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zaloof and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. This is the fourth episode of our exciting series on emerging gaming markets, which I'm co-hosting with Tom Wyman, who's Senior Market Analyst at Nizu. After a great discussion last episode about the Turkish gaming market, today we'll be focusing on Latin America. And to help give us uh, his insight on that market, our guest today is Etienne de Gabriel, head of UA at Gazaus Games, which is a top gaming company from Brazil. Etienne, and of course, Tom, as always, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Happy to be here.
2: Yeah th- thank you guys for for letting me be a part of Level Up been listening to the podcast for quite some time so it's I'm definitely super grateful to, to be a part of this.
0: That's what we like to hear. So, um, Etienne, you're, you're, today you're head of UA at Gazeas, but you've had actually a long career in gaming and, uh, and ad tech. Uh, you worked at Opera and Ad Colony uh, before you were at Etamax, which is another large uh, gaming company from Latin America. And now, of course, Gazeas. Can you walk us through your, your journey? Um, what's, what is it like? Kind of, what are the differences between kind of working on the gaming side versus the, the technology vendor side?
2: Well, yes, I mean, I've been in the, the industry for quite some time. I was lucky enough because I, I always sell the, the, the same thing. It's I've been prepared since I'm a kid. I'm a huge gamer. Mm-hmm. So everything like prepared me for this. So, yeah, I, I started with Oprah and then Oprah was acquired by Ad Colony. That was the first like gaming digital experience. Before that, I had my own app. That's how I met at Colony, and that's why they hired me. And before that, I was a professional esports player. So that's, it, it all, oh, wow. it all, yeah, it all works together. It's, it's a little bit funny, but that's a super interesting question because being a vendor and being able to work with all the biggest LATAM companies at the time that I was at at Colony actually gave me a lot of insights. Like being able to understand each game, and how different they work, it's amazing. Like it, it worked wonders for me when I moved to the other side. I, I call it when I was in the dark side, like being a vendor, it's always, oh, I'm in the dark side. But it, it actually provided me with a lot of useful information and a lot of practices that I saw a lot of the big players doing. And I was able to replicate that for myself working on those gaming companies. So while I was at Intermax, uh, they they hired me after they, they had me as their representative at Ad Colony. And Gazelle the same thing. It's, I've been working with them at Ad Colony for almost like four years. And once I went at Intermax, they told me, hey, there, there's an opportunity here. And, you know, I took the adventure. So now I'm here at Gazelle's Games in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil.
0: Very nice. Um, and, and can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, you've obviously you've been involved in this industry since you were a child. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the gaming market in Latin America? Um, was it mobile first or were traditional video games also big there? Um, how has gaming kind of evolved?
2: Well, I, I mean, I grew up part of my childhood. I mean, I was living in Argentina, but definitely it's interesting By no means, I would consider it like one of the the gaming markets itself. Like it it wasn't big. I, I believe it's growing a lot the last couple of years. If we compare it to like super big, like Korea, Japan, China, like LATAM is nowhere near, especially like five years ago. But now it's growing so, so much. Outside of, I would say Brazil is by far the biggest, like, gaming country. I mean, yeah, I know we have a lot of people. I mean, there's a huge like there's a huge and a vast universe here of people. So I mean, of course, you're going to get more gamers out there. But in the history, I mean, Latam was all about, you know, just traditional sports. If you say football, then everybody's going to start talking. It's like it's religion and football go together here in this region. But I'm lucky to see gaming is growing. Of course, it was traditional video games. Like, you know, it started with more, again, games related to like sports, like FIFA and whatnot. But now with uh, mobile, it's everybody's becoming more open to like, hey, I tested this out on my phone. Do you think it's cool? And that opens a gate to both of the games. Because you have people that start playing on mobile. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe I can do the same thing on my computer, especially with COVID-19. I have a lot of friends that I, they, they, they used to make fun of me, oh, you're you're playing games, because that wasn't cool at the time. Like 10 years ago, that wasn't cool. But now it's cool, so everybody's playing, and I, I like to see that that shift in the culture. But yeah, so definitely traditional video games first, and mobile, it's helping the whole gaming scenario grow a lot, so, so much. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. Um, we haven't ever really covered kind of where the mobile is. Uh, we've looked at whether the hyper casual games are kind of a gateway drug, bad choice of words, but you know what I mean for um, mobile games of other genres, but we've never really looked at crossover from mobile um, to PC uh, or console, which is super interesting. Um, Tom, I'm, I'm turning to you now. Um, Etienne mentioned kind of uh, LATEM in relation to kind of larger gaming markets. Uh, and it is definitely catching up um, sort of now coming up just behind China, the US, uh, Japan and Korea. Where do you think this boom kind of from New Zoo's perspective, where do you think this boom came from?
1: Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of things I want to address here. So also obviously, um, getting that out of the way, it's, it's of course, um, the increase in, in smartphone users, online population, um, cheaper data, cheaper um, smartphones as well, that all of that, which is kind of true for every emerging market that we covered in this show in the past episodes, is also true for Latin America. But there are a couple of um, uh, unique elements to the market that, um, are interesting to highlight here, because uh, one of the things that Etienne was also talking about in this, this concept of traditional video games. And, uh, y- yes, I also, we also see that I, it's very small if you compare it to some of these bigger markets, uh, the traditional PC and console, uh, video gaming, but it, it was definitely there. And, and if we, again, put it in perspective to some of the other markets we covered in the show, um, There is more um, PC and console gaming in uh, Latin America than, say, for example, Southeast Asia or India. Um, And uh, I'd be interested to hear from the uh, local expert as well. But I think part of the reason um, why uh, video gaming, uh, traditional video gaming, was bigger in, in this region than those others is because culturally it's, I don't want to say similar, but it's more closely related to the United States and Western Europe. They're definitely Western Europe because um, Spanish, Portuguese culture is, of course, uh, also influential on Latin America. Um, and, and the same with the United States and Mexico. There is obviously also a connection there. Um, and I think for that reason, that in, you know traditional publishers, traditional um, video game publishers would look at least, say, 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, they would look first to Latin America before they start looking at Something like Southeast Asia or something like India.
0: Etienne, does that sound does that sound about right? Does that jive with your experience?
2: Yeah, I mean the 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 Latin American culture really identifies with the with the Western like culture too. It's it's like you can see that. And another interesting factor it's if you're going to publish a game and you're analyzing the, the the different cultures, you really want your game to look Western so people are familiarized. With the game and so you know just when you're adding a character when you're adding like different like genres and stuff and layers to the game then you're definitely thinking about you know going a little bit western and then if you're moving to like japan then you want some like different style but yeah it's it it's definitely i definitely agree with tom on this and it's it's an interesting factor and another thing to consider when when building a game and when doing a, you know, a marketing campaign for LATEM.
0: Mm-hmm. And besides Gazes, who are kind of the, uh, well, Anetamax? who are the big gaming companies in LATEM? And uh, and kind of do you have, are there, is it a very, um, not just in terms of gamers, but also game development, is it a growing ecosystem?
2: Yeah, I, the, so there are a lot of good and really good, like, you know, small studios, the 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 good thing and bad thing about this industry I, I believe there are two sides of the coins is it's a super aggressive and hostile industry like it, it it's been it's been hard like you know I I believe less than one percent of the all the apps in the stores make less than a hundred dollars a month and we have like there are so many apps that I I don't even know how to say the number so yeah but I mean the studios are, are of course all the well known. I was I had the pleasure of working with them during my time like the, in the last few years. So well I guess it was games of course best one. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but Eatermax, another great company. If I if I'm going with volume and like product, then wildlife is also a good one. You have the the guys from Ironhide in Uruguay, they make some amazing like Hardcore games, they're super good. Well, you got TAPS games here in Brazil. Of course, Brazil is the, the biggest country. Mexico has been growing up a lot. But the thing is, there are many studios, but none of them really get that those games that, like, jump them to the next level. Because, I mean, they, they have a good strategy, but they still haven't gotten that, you know, big hit game that actually makes your company known and, you know provides with all the fame, that it's something the other side of the kind that I was talking about is nowadays the industry has so much investment that there are I, – I haven't – like the potential that I see in LATAM from people making games, from people just – you know, smaller studios with four guys just working there, it's it's amazing. That's why when, when another opportunity that I see is now that the industry – like it's not what it was a year and a half of, I go, there is so much investment that if you don't have marketing to support you like and to support your games, then your game is not going to get any traction whatsoever. And that's one of the, the the thing I don't really like and the change that I hate the most about the industry. I, I love it because it's constantly changing. I always call it like the meta is evolving, kind of <laughs> like an esports, eSports player. So it's like I call it, yeah, the meta is evolving. But it definitely, it's a a meta that I don't enjoy because there are so many good games created by people. It's just they don't have the budget to invest. And if you want to, you know, look for them in the stores, then they're, again, they won't appear. It's kind of that way. It's a little bit sad. Is that
0: that true of um, when, is that true of kind of global launches? Or is that, uh, and is that also the case uh, locally within Latem, is it also very competitive and hard to kind of break into the local charts?
2: Yeah, I mean breaking. In, of course, it's easier, and the and by easier I mean there's going to be less competition and the budget is going to be way smaller. Mm-hmm. But it, it's true uh, it, globally because if you go here, if you see the top charts, there's still all the big and top developers that are going to be here in the region. So you, mm-hmm. you won't get away. Like it, it it just, you know, it's a competition at the end of the day. It's good. It yeah. keeps you pumped, keeps you motivated. Cause, <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately it happens. That's why when I, if I, if there are any like others, you see a lot of like bigger studios acquiring smaller studios. And I think that's going to be one of the, the key factors for Latin America. Cause again, there is so much potential here. Like, so so much that i cannot express like all the opportunities that i've had even myself now i'm I'm starting to actually look at the smaller studios and trying to understand trying to see if there's a a match there
1: just as a side note HN, before I, I move on to the next question but i'm personally very interested to know what game you went pro in <laughs>
2: <laughs> the- you well i mean this was as soon as i finished i remember i finished school and i told my mom back in the day it was 2008 like mom i'm gonna go pro in games and she was like what Esports was not well known at the time she was like dude where are you going what's happening it was world of warcraft really yeah
1: okay
2: Uh, yeah and my role yeah sorry i used
1: to play that a lot um back in the old uh, vanilla days
2: yeah, I got it in Burning Crusade because uh, that's when they started doing the competition. Because for me, that's gaming. It's, I mean, gaming has been my first memory that I have ever had in my life was playing games. So I mean, and now it's it's all about competition. Like I'm a I'm an esports player, and I I really like watching esports, which is I don't know if it's amazing, but I love it. Like I, I can like I get goosebumps, and nobody understands why. Just imagine this in Latin America. There's a football match, and then there's me looking at the monitor, watching, you know, the streaming platforms and watching esports and getting goosebumps. So, yeah, I'm kind of the, the weird duck in the family.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I understand. Uh, yeah, sorry to derail the conversation a little bit. Um, you were talking earlier about some of the different things that the developers um, in, in the Latin American region built. Um, at Gazeas, you guys built mostly casual social games, card games is what I saw a lot. Um, what are some of the most popular genres among players in Latin America?
2: Well, there's... There are, I mean, casual games are, are all over the place. Like, if I consider in terms of volume... Then, yeah, definitely the, the, the games that have more people playing them, it's casual. If we go with Dao and Mao, casual and hyper casual. But then if we go per like time sessions, then it's going to be mid-core. You see, we, like I've seen in the last couple months, I've seen a lot of games like mid-core like, just just blowing out of nowhere. You got the, the Saint Seiya one, it took off here in Latin America. It's it's so good to see. Like, I, I get so happy because, like, there, there's a huge difference. Like, in Latin America, it's hard to have a game, like, based within a purchase. At base, then it's all good, though the ECPMs are going to be a little lower than in other regions. Again, we have, like, mostly tier three countries in terms of ECPMs. But I, I saw that game, and I saw that game, like, having a lot of purchases, and I was so happy about it. So, yeah, it really depends what you want to analyze, but I would say hyper casual and mid core, it's two different genres, but they both are are, are taking off the last couple months.
1: Okay. Uh, that's pretty cool. And what about, uh, because I was personally quite surprised to see how well uh, Garena Free Fire did uh, in Latin America specifically. Um, I wouldn't even classify that as midcore, though. Maybe your uh, your views not are different. But uh, there's apparently also a room room for these kind of games. What's your view on on that part?
2: No, yeah, definitely. It has been it it, it took off. Also, one, another game you also have, like, yeah, there there. Are, I mean, there, it's it's shifting. the The opportunity is there, and the the market it's really green. But what, what is happening is if we we're, we're consider that, then we also got to consider the crazy situation that the whole world is going through, that it's COVID-19, that also opened up the, the gate for a lot of stuff. Like all the behavior users are having right now, I'm pretty sure they're driving all the algorithms we have crazy because everything changed. It's... It's amazing. Like if you're a product owner and you're analyzing your products, I would definitely suggest doing a like before and after because I'm, I'm, I'm convinced the user behavior we're seeing right now is not going to be the same. After all, we're past all this like craziness. So I don't know where the industry is going to like, go, how it's going to shift. But it's definitely like worth analyzing. Though I would analyze it as a special period and not compare it to, you know, my, when we had normal lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. I mean, that's that's really what we do at Newsu. So uh, you can understand how fun my job has been in the past couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> um, Again, switching the topics a little bit, um you at Gazias, you also operate a, a browser-based website, uh, jogatina.com, com, although it might be butchering the pronunciation, sorry. Um how does it compare to the work you do for mobile games and how do you do you see the audience for that? Is there a big overlap? Um, are you seeing players switch from browser to mobile? Um, what's your take on that?
2: Well, Jogatina started that way. It's been it's been it's been in the in the industry for like fourteen years now, which is amazing. But I mean Jogatina Gazeus. But yeah, they started with a browser and we still have a lot of players there. It's just the the demographics show it's it's a lot of oh, like, you know, it's more mature people to say per se. So we didn't want to take it off, even though it's not like a lot of, it 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 doesn't have a lot of representation in terms of like revenue and stuff, but since we started that way, well, they started. I wasn't a part of Gazios at the time. They started that way. They really wanna. They they keep working on it and throwing updates. But no, we don't, the demographic is completely different. We do see that now with COVID, we have more people there, and the base on the on the site grew a lot. So that that was funny to see. But I mean, before the the dark times, yeah, it was just it, it was a super small like sample that we had there. We just keep it because it, I don't know that that's one of the values that I really like about Gazeus. It's their 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 plan is not to to see their games as numbers, but more to help people, you know. When you're immersed in that game and you forget about everything and you just get a couple of minutes in and, and just smile like you were young without any like hesitations and like worriness, so that's one of the good things about Gazos.
0: Tom, turning to you now, uh, because Etienne talked about kind of uh, ad-based games versus IAP-based games. Um, From from a research perspective or or from a data perspective, where do you think the bigger opportunity lies for game developers in in that term? Is it advertising uh, or ad-based games or in-app purchase-based games?
1: There's two sides to this. Um, Right now, I definitely agree with Etienne's read that um, advertising is, is... easier in the sense that more people uh, the people the players are, are used to that way of monetizing it's uh it takes a lot of effort to convince people that in-app purchasing is um, worth it um when i talk about the opportunity um i think the, the bigger opportunity might be in in-app purchases but it also depends on the type of game that you are developing like a hyper casual game with in-app purchases is probably not going to work like might be proved wrong at some point. But um, if you are doing something in the mid core um, segment, then yes, in a purchases as the bigger opportunity. And definitely because there is so much room for growth uh, in that specific place in the market still in Latin America.
0: Mm-hmm. and and now let's uh, it's kind of been popping up uh throughout our discussion but now let's let's talk about the esports scene in latin in latin america specifically um brazil is i think third in the world uh in esports enthusiasts uh which is at just over 10 million uh behind china and the u.s considering how big competitive sports uh, etienne you said it's football and religion uh how competitive Sports like football are, uh, are in Latin America it would make sense that esports are also popular. Um, do you see an increase in esports um, also affected by an increase in mobile gaming? Uh, Etienne first and then maybe Tom if you have anything to add?
2: Yeah I, I mean Brazil is by far the the most developed country in Latin America Towards esports, I mean, whatever scene you're looking at, there's always going to be a Brazilian representative. For example, you take Counter Strike, I believe Brazil has one of the best teams out there. You take League of Legends, they're also like really good. But again, I, I see uh, there's also a tendency towards like different regions and how they perform and how home- and the base of the players. Because, for example, if you if you take Latin America, then shooters and FPS have a, a, a tendency to grow here. But then if you take like strategy games like League of Legends or even like auto chess, even though the the new auto chess that everyone has been going on or or cards game, I mean, the base is it's growing, but it's still not, like, the in, in terms of averages, it's not as big as other regions. But definitely Brazil, it's... It's amazing. Like when I moved here, it was amazing to see that this is normal. Like I go to a bar and you you get to see like, you know, esports in the TV. So I'm like, I'm in my I'm in my jam here. But <laughs> I I also believe that like 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 it was mentioned like mobile opened up the door to this. Like mobile gaming for me personally and like professionally, it opened up the gate to people start looking more and not feeling I don't want to say ashamed, because I was when I was young. But that changed completely. Like, you would be the, the weirdo if you were playing games, you know? I would go to my house, start playing games, and I wouldn't stop. Like, weekend was on, and I wasn't going out. I was, I was still playing games. Like, I wanted to invite people over. We were not going to see football. We were going to play games. But mobile helped that, helped really develop that. And people, like, because right now, everybody has a phone. And of course, if you're gonna go into Latin America, then there are two two things you gotta be sure. First, you gotta be sure your Android version is good, and second, you gotta be sure your, your your the version that you're gonna develop for Android is also gonna be able to to be used by like you know just not so high end phones you got to make sure it's it's able for everyone no it doesn't matter the kind of phone so you got to have a a version that that's either light or or just it's going to be able to work on any phone not just you know the high ends but that really helped the case because I see a lot of people not only shift like if they're really into it for example you take Fortnite that was huge because people started playing on on their phone a lot of people And then they started saying, hey, I really want to get good at this. What they did, they were playing on their phone. They started building their setup. So now they're playing on the CPU. Why? Because if you're really going to take the game seriously, then you don't want to make it harder than it already is. You're not going to see a a Fortnite player just playing on their phones. because, Unfortunately, it's not the right tools for the end game, which is like being the best at a tournament. If you see a Fortnite tournament, then it's all going to be, you know, just the computer but so mobile had a huge impact on this and i think it's only gonna continue to grow i think we're on the right track here
0: and tom anything to add
1: i think uh etienne uh, summed it up pretty well um I I think, yeah
2: <laughs> I, i'm <laughs> sorry I, I get carried by this yeah, I, I'm, I'm this just, like, yeah. This your
1: passion uh, your passion project <laughs> like i can tell i can tell but
2: that's great well though. Yeah, I was, I was, I was so lucky to to be able to be a part of this. And you have, if if we ever encountered each other at a, one event, like GDC, Gamescom, whatsoever, you'll see me. I have, I just have a smile face. Like, you, you'll just see my smile all over the place, and I'll be running around. And the few minutes I get to just, you know, out of meetings, I'll test other games. I'll, I'll talk to anyone. It's, you'll, yeah. you, you'll, you'll find me. You
0: like it. Um, yeah. so I, I'll 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 move on to maybe to my next question, Etienne. It's it's also to you, um, and it's it's a, it's around UA, which we've kind of discussed. Um, but now, kind of flipping flipping the the picture, if you will, Latem is is pretty underrepresented in UA um, when it comes to kind of foreign budgets. I think there are less than one percent of foreign annual budgets are spent locally, even though Latem accounts for kind of four percent of global game revenue. Um, which, which sort of implies that there's a, a, a sizable opportunity here for global developers. So CPIs are a fraction of the cost, um, and yet you see sort of similar rates of engagement. Do you think that we're going to see, as more kind of global developers become aware of the potential of the, uh, the Latam market, do you think we're going to see CPIs getting more expensive in the future?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ladam uh, and I always say this, it's like the, the guest you invite to a party and it's always late. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the world is working towards something and then we're late. Like the, you had countries in quarantine and we were late. Like you, you see it in any industry whatsoever. Ladam is that guest that's always late to the country. So I definitely see that we're catching up. And I definitely see people starting to realize, hey, LATAM is not only a, a region that we can do, like, you know, just soft log tests and whatsoever. But it's it's starting to actually make sense. And, and there are massive opportunities here, like you mentioned. And I, I think the what's missing here is the the right monetization strategy. Because doing UA, I mean, yeah, you can buy... CPIs are super low. I mean, if you compare it to other like markets like UK, Australia, you know the US, Japan, whatever, then LATAM, it's a great country to test. But if you're able to build and really monetize your product on the region, then it's a goldmine. Because there are a lot of people like mobile penetration here is huge. And again, gamers are grown by the minute. So it's just a matter of... Choosing the right strategy for the right regions. Like you see games just, and like well disclaimer layer. I'm gonna fire a, a couple of shots, but you gotta understand what's really going on in Latin. I mean, there is always gonna be an economic crisis in the vast majority of the countries here. So you cannot put the same prices that you have that your game has in the U.S. It's not just oh yeah, I'm just gonna you know take how much is a dollar in a I don't know in a real. That, that's uh, the currency here in Brazil and just adapt it to that because, you know, the the economic situation is not the same. So you really got to think and and see like which games are blowing in in-app purchases and really compare their prices between their countries because you'll see that's what they're doing. And then ads again, if you, if you know, like like Tom mentioned, in-app purchases are not really like. That big, they, they don't feel secure. They're not really. They're st- they, they still haven't gotten to the party. They don't really trust, you know, paying something with their phones. Then try to build ads and new placements. Really find the strategy. But if you do that, then you'll see the the real potential of Latin.
1: That's uh, what's interesting. What's uh, what stands out to me throughout this conversation is that we always talk about Latin uh, as one big market or even one big country. Um, and and of course, I see why that is. You know, there's a except for Brazil, there's a shared language, um, perhaps also a shared culture in some ways. Um, do you think that for for uh, global developers, global publishers, it is better to view Latin America as one big market, or do they need a different approach per
2: country? I I mean the there there's there are a lot of behaviors like for example if you're building a, a game strategy then definitely look at LATAM as a, a as a whole market just as a whole region but if you're going to look into like campaigns creatives then no I would definitely go by country it doesn't matter how, how small the country is but you really want to like look deep into that and by that I mean for example if I'm doing a, a campaign for Peru, or Argentina. Yeah, they're both Spanish. But then it's a completely different dialogue. And I cannot express this enough. It's like the changes we've seen when we're localizing our ads, when we're localizing our games, it's amazing. It's simply amazing. Like I've, I've seen 30 to 35 CPI reductions just by using you know, the right words or just by communicating like locals do so i wouldn't suggest if you're like when it comes to localization it's super important to 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 look at, at it by by country and not as a region but in terms of the ad strategy and the monetization strategy then yes look at it as a, as a region cuz the ecpms are, are are very similar like yeah brazil and mexico have the have the higher ecpms on the region but it's only by a small fraction and that is only cuz they have you know more more brands that are investing in those countries and those countries are better economically than the others. But I mean, the the behavior of the users is pretty similar, but localization, it's always going to be like one of the, like the cornerstone of a, of a successful marketing campaign and a successful game on those countries.
0: Mm-hmm. And as a last question, um, Etienne, what tips do you have for uh, LATEM developers who are kind of looking to uh, make it either kind of uh, locally or, or I guess probably more interesting also to look at how, how can they break into the global market?
2: Well, I mean, it, it, I believe it, it, it shifts a lot, depends on the, the, the volume of your studio. If you're a smaller studio, like I mentioned, I mean the industry is shifting in a way that right now I would I would definitely like always talk to other peers for for starters to to see what they did in the past how they they can help you. If there's something about this industry that I felt that was always good, it's everyone is well the vast majority is welcoming. Of course, I don't talk to vendors; they're always going to be like welcoming. But talk to other <laughs> peers that just maybe had had the chance and they, had, they were lucky enough to have experience with our games and they'll be able to share those thoughts. But, I mean, just think and analyze the market. I, I don't see people are analyzing the market enough. It's just like the same way the other regions look at LATAM. I mean, it's like, oh, we're going to test it. Let them does the same thing with other countries. Like, oh yeah, that country's CPI, it's a uh, tier two. The CPI, it's I don't know, like two dollars. And we have the creatives in their language, so let's go with it. You don't want that to happen. Like, you don't want to, you know, save energy <laughs> to say something when you're actually gonna do something, like running a campaign or putting your game out there. You really want to analyze the market and see, like, okay, what wh- what are the type of games that are there. What, what are the top charts? What are the like, t- top sessions like, well, also How is the user behavior? Is it in a purchase ad base? Is it hyper casual? Is it mid-core? Is it Western? It, it, it's not. Like, you really want to take as much. Like, it's a multiple factor equation. And you really want to put everything there to have your chances of success at least like one point higher. That, that's all. Again, the industry is super hard. But you really want to analyze the market. You want to analyze your game. You want to test other games. Like for the love of God, I, I know it's it can be a little like hard if you're doing a color like a coloring app and you gotta test it. But trust me on this. Just play every game that's similar to yours and analyze analyze them. What are their top like 10 markets? Why? And just you, you'll see there's so much information out there. It's Just you got to be creative when analyzing it and when just adding that information to your own experiences.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think that probably makes a lot of sense to people. Uh, and thank you, Etienne uh, and Tom, for being on the show today, it's been super interesting. Etienne, we love your passion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everyone else, thank you for listening as always uh, and tune in next episode for more interesting insights on another emerging gaming market.